Welcome to Ranch Raves Questions and Quotes, a podcast where I get to bitch, complain, basically my take on over 50 years on this planet. As always, I am not a licensed clinician, doctor, therapist, lawyer, or Indian chief. I'm just a guy that has certain views, certain opinions, certain thoughts on how things are, how things ought to be, how things used to be, and my life experiences. So I invite you, as always, to sit back, relax, grab a snack, join us for a little fun. Maybe you'll think I'm crazy. Maybe you'll think I'm right on the money. Either way, I always, as always, I look forward to hearing from you. You can reach me at mrrants50 at gmail.com or via my blog at my rrqq.wordpress.com and uh, welcome to the show Democrats and racial activists in California are working to outlaw some uses of police canines, citing claims of present and historical racism. But critics of the social justice effort say canines can keep officers safe and often protect suspects by limiting use of potential lethal force. Here to discuss is Daily Wire reporter Amanda Prestigiacomo. So, Amanda, tell us about this bill. Who introduced it and what are the goals? Hey, Georgia. So Assembly Bill 742, introduced on February 13th, seeks to end the use of canine units for arrest, apprehension, and crowd control, citing supposed racial injustice. Democratic Assemblyman Corey Jackson, who authored the bill, argues that these police dogs disproportionately victimize black and brown people and claims this stems all the way back to the days of slavery. Here's Jackson at a press conference this month announcing the legislation. From the brutal attempts to quell the civil rights movement, Black Lives Matter protests, and their day-to-day use in law enforcement, police canines remain a gross misuse of force, victimizing black and brown people disproportionately. What's really prominent here is this element of so-called social justice. Jackson did claim during the conference that current data supports the bill, but what he really emphasized was the bill's role of remedying past wrongs. He also quoted Malcolm X, saying that the white man has traded in white sheets for police badges and canines. So again, a really strong racial emphasis. Now, this bill has garnered some pretty significant support, correct? Yeah, that's right. Factions of both the ACLU and the NAACP are supporting the bill. So even if AB 742 doesn't go anywhere in California, it does seem to be an issue activists, particularly racial activists, will continue to pursue. Now, what does the actual data say when it comes to police dogs? Is there a reason to believe that they disproportionately target certain groups of people? So it's hard to find national data on police canines since there's no centralized database tracking this stuff. But investigations have shown that thousands of Americans are bitten by police dogs each year, sometimes causing serious injury. Jackson cited research that shows black and Latino individuals are more likely to be involved in canine apprehensions. So basically, there are two types of apprehension techniques taught in police service dog training, and those are the bite and hold and the circle and bark, which are pretty self-explanatory. According to Jackson, 65% of those seriously injured by police dogs in 2021 were, quote, people of color. 
Now, when we're talking about deaths stemming from police canines, those are thought to be extremely rare, as in only a handful of cases. An investigation conducted by the Marshall Project, a nonprofit focused on criminal justice reform, found only three cases where police dog attacks led to the victim's death since 2010. Now, what is law enforcement saying about this bill? Unsurprisingly, there's been a lot of pushback against the bill. Basically, officials have underscored the important role police dogs play in keeping law enforcement safe and protecting suspects from potential deadly force. They see this bill as counterproductive. Here's Pinal County Sheriff Mark Lamb speaking to OAN last week about the bill. I have absolutely seen cases where lethal force would have been justified and was likely going to be used next had the dog not been effective. But the dog is very effective in neutralizing threats. The dogs are extremely valuable. And the fact that they would want to take this away seems to be contradicting what they want across this country, which is more and more reforms. And what we don't have, of course, is the data on how many instances where lethal force did not happen because of police dogs or how many officers these dogs have effectively saved. What's the status of the bill? It's pending referral in the assembly right now and could be heard in committee as early as next month. All right. Well, we'll keep tabs on it. Amanda, thanks for reporting. Thanks for having me. That was Daily Wire reporter Amanda Prestigiacomo. Okay. Another dive into the realm of stupidity. All you got to do is watch cops. Watch all the variety of police shows that are on. They're on damn near 24-7 on some of the cable channels. And you see the instances time and time again where there's a canine unit. The canine is looking for the suspect in a remote area under a house, in tall grass, etc., etc. And they shout it out every time. If you don't come out, we're going to let the dog in. Now, let's say, for instance, you have a perp under a house. If a policeman says, come out from under there, and the perpetrator doesn't do that, or the suspect doesn't do that, then that means that the policeman has to go under the house and retrieve said individual. Said individual may have a gun may have a knife, may have any variety of weapons that the policeman would not know about going under the house to apprehend that subject. A dog can go under there and, yes, bite the subject and neutralize the situation without loss of life, hopefully to the police dog, to the suspect, to the police officer. Now, again, if you watch the show's on cops, etc., where that happens, 99% of the time when they say, hey, we're going to let the dog loose if you don't get your ass out here, guess what happens? The guy or the woman or, you know, whatever, the suspect, the perpetrator, comes out, gives up, gets taken down, gets arrested, goes to trial, etc., etc., etc. Why? Because they don't want to get bit anymore either. Now, yes, going back to what they talked about with the civil rights movement, that if you have any knowledge at all or any inkling to look it up at all, it's entirely different. Yes, there were police dogs that were used against African-Americans during 
and uh, the civil rights workers during the civil rights movement. Yes, there absolutely was. But that was not the police holding the dog saying, if you don't stand down, we're going to let the dog go. That was blatant abuse by the police of that time when they just said, here, go get them and let the dogs go. There was no chance to let them stop, let them come peacefully, etc. And yes, in a lot of cases, they were peaceful protests. They were peacefully marching, which they have every right to do under the Constitution of the United States. And they these dogs were used against them incorrectly and racially. And it was mo- racially motivated back in those days. Yes. But today, you don't see a police officer going, hey, look, there's a black guy over there. Go sick him, Brutus. No, it doesn't happen. It does not happen. I have seen demonstrations of police dogs. I have seen demonstrations of military canine dogs. You've seen the dogs sniffing and uh, going after a multitude of things. Explosives, cadavers, uh, perpetrators, uh, drugs. We cannot do away with it. They are a fundamental part of the system. They are a fundamental part of the police force, and they do help save lives, both of the perpetrator or the subject and the police themselves. But, again, this goes back to the people that are handling the dog, handling the police canine units. It's not the dogs, the dogs don't see a black person or his or a Hispanic person and say, hmm, lunch. It doesn't happen. The handler decides when to let that dog off the leash, when to use the command to retract the dog from the situation and to cause the dog to stop uh, the aggressive behavior. So while there might be potentially I'm not going to say that there's no cases out there at all where the dogs are still mishandled or, or, or it's done wrong. It's quite possible that they are. But to eliminate them totally when they are a deterrent, and by a deterrent, I mean, like I said, if you say, hey, get out of there or I'm going to release the dog, nine times out of ten, wait a minute, I'm coming out because I don't want to get bit. Whether you're, the person is guilty or not, they're coming out. Nope, don't don't release the dogs. Here I am, hands up, take me to jail, uh, charge me, do whatever the hell you're going to do. But again, it has they have to be handled and trained and given the commands by someone. The dog doesn't see color. The dog doesn't see uh, the criminal act. The dog doesn't see the person as being black or being uh, Hispanic or any other minority or any other uh, ethnic group or whatever. The dog goes by the command of the handler. And yes, in our history, there have been some very egregious use of police dogs and they should, you know, definitely it was a problem. But I don't see it as being a problem anymore or as to the extent that it once was. And again, 
this is going to sound harsh, but just because in the civil rights movement, dogs were used incorrectly against African-Americans doesn't mean that we need to put a halt to the whole project. Doesn't mean that just because you might be triggered because it's a police dog doesn't mean that the whole uh, structure, the whole police unit, uh, canine unit needs to be disbanded and done away with. They are a good, helpful resource to the police in both apprehending a suspect, sniffing for drugs, etc., uh, etc. Et you know, everybody always bitches about things like this until they need something like this. You know, oh, we need to do away with the whole project. Okay, well, then you have a problem where you have situation like 9-11 or you have uh, a situation where that condo development fell in uh, in Florida. And then you have the dogs come out and they're looking for the cadavers. They're looking for live people that are left in, in amidst the destruction that has occurred. If you do away with one project, it's going to inadvertently trickle down and affect all of the projects. Because if you do away with the canine unit of police dogs, it's going to go to these other groups to do other good things like bomb sniffing, drug sniffing at the airports, etc. So we have to be, it's a, it's a, it's a tight, tight little walk we have to do. Yes, dogs can be used effectively if the handler, if the dog is trained correctly, if the handler is trained correctly and uses the dog correctly. If not, then yes, we can have issues. But to totally just say, nope due to the fact that this happened back in the 60s and it's now 60 years later and and uh, police dogs were used badly back then uh we got to get rid of it no no we we don't we got to stop being pussies we got to stop being triggered by every little fucking thing life is not fair Rightly or wrongly, to the minority population, once upon a time, these things were anti these groups of people. Rightly or wrongly, there are still some times where these individual groups are still mistreated incorrectly. And that should be dealt with on a case-by-case basis. They said, oh, yeah, they were used in the BLM uh, riots. Of course they were used in the BLM riots. Where people, I don't recall seeing it in the news, but I don't recall seeing the police say, sick them, go get them. No, these were people, again, that were committing crimes. Not the protesters that were pro- protesting peacefully, even though, you know, uh, as I've said before, George Floyd was uh, should not have been killed, but he wasn't the saint martyr that he is portrayed to be. He was a criminal. He should have not been killed by the police. But again, that was a bad police. That doesn't mean all police are bad. The dogs that were there to protect the businesses and protect the police and restore order during the protests were not going 
not unleashed to just rain havoc among the protesters. They were there to be used as crowd control. If you're standing there marching and you're doing something you're not supposed to be doing and the dog starts barking, you either A, stop what you're doing or you back the fuck up. So again, you know, if you if you're peacefully marching, I mean, how many times do we have to go through this? There was a thousand man march. What, 10 years ago? Million man march. I think it was during uh, Barack's presidency in D.C. Were there any dogs out there? Were there any? Yes, there were police. Yes, there might have been a couple of canine units out there. Were any of them attacked? Were any of them, uh, you know, sicked upon people? No. Why? Because these were peaceful protests, because people were marching as a unit together. They were not doing anything unconstitutional and, and or unlawful. They weren't breaking the laws. They weren't looting. They weren't rioting. They were protesting or marching for whatever cause. I forget all the stuff it was. Uh, but they might have been there, but they weren't used defensively because there was no need to use them defensively. And yeah, if you're a police officer and you have to go under a house to get a perpetrator and you're stuck in close quarters because you couldn't send a dog in because you because they disbanded the dog unit and you get shot at, you're dead. Or if you get shot at and you kill the other guy, you know, shoot back and you kill the perpetrator or the suspect, they're dead. Whereas a dog would just, hey, come in, bite him. Okay, uh, I'm crawling for the exit. You know, and then when the guy gets out from under the house, hey, uh, call the dog off, put the guy in handcuffs, get a medical attention for the bite, and say la vie, move on to the next case. But we are becoming such a pussified nation, such a triggered nation, such a everything is offensive nation, that we are literally tying our hands behind our back, and we might be might just as well handcuff ourselves. Because that's all we're doing. Everything is not perfect in this country. Everything has not been perfect in this country. Everything could be. We could work towards that. We used to strive to to work towards being a better, perfect union. But now we've let the crazies out of the nuthouse. I mean, how many times we we see it in the news? We do see it in the news where a black gentleman is uh, asked by a white woman, what are you doing in this neighborhood? And the guy lives there or the guy's out bird watching and she's out with her dog and she calls the cops or he's having a barbecue and the smoke drifts over in her yard and they call the cops. I mean, we have got to stop the stupidity. Let's go after the bad guys of all colors, of all creeds, of all sexual orientation, of all anything, and go after the bad people and not just the people that hurt our feelings. Slavery was bad, yes. The civil rights uh, protests and all that, and the, the, the things that were done during that time frame during the civil rights era were bad, yes. But we have moved past that. 
we have made strides. Are we at the perfect level yet? No. Are we still working there? No. And why do I say no? Because we are more divided, more torn apart now than we have ever been. We have our kids that go to school. They're taught that if they're white, they're bad. If they're black, they're oppressed. If they're any other minority, they're, they're being taken advantage of and they're oppressed. So people don't grow up to reach the goals that they could reach. Those that have been oppressed, well, why should I go for the brass ring? Why should I reach for the gold when I've been oppressed and I'm going to be continue to be oppressed? And, oh, uh, white privilege and, and you're, you've always had everything handed to you on a silver platter. And so that brings them down. They, they don't want to reach for the gold and, and, and grab that brass ring or that gold ring. Why? Because they've always had everything handed them. They've always had the best. So it's not always fair that they, that they, that they, they struggle and they succeed. So again, we dumb down our kids from day one. Racism is taught. It's taught in the schools. It's taught by our peers. It's taught by our parents. It's taught by our friends. It's taught by the people we love in some cases. And that is why it's still around. But it's also still around because it's used as an excuse, it's used for a group of people or groups of people that have been oppressed in the past to fall back on that as an excuse for not doing better, not making a difference. Yes, black people were horrendously treated during slavery. Yes, Jim Crow laws and uh the civil rights were massively wrong against the African-American community. But I'd like to think we have grown and done better since then. We have had a black president. We have a black, as much as I don't like the lady, we have a black vice president. We have black Supreme Court justices in, uh, in, we have blacks and Asians and Latin Americans and, uh, gay and lesbians and transgendered individuals in all aspects of life now. We are not perfect. We are still making mistakes, but we are also still striving to be better. But we cannot be better when, as I mentioned the other day or, or earlier in my other podcast, that when I talk to somebody and they find out I'm a conservative and a Republican, they say, and that's the end of it. Poof, we're gone. If we don't discuss these things, we are never going to learn. If I don't talk to black people, and I only look at it from my one side of the coin, then I will never understand how they feel. And I have talked to black friends of mine. Now, yes, I will never, ever, as a white individual, understand their heritage, their upbringing, their uh, full emotional 
impact on these things to them. I had dinner with a black lady. I've said this on a po- on another podcast issue before, uh, several months back. I asked her why, when riots like such as George George Floyd happened, why they destroyed their own neighborhoods instead and looted their own neighborhoods instead of going uptown. And she replied to me, "Because we know we'd get shot," and that's. Possibly, probably true to a degree. I would like to think that we have evolved enough that that would not happen. I, of course, I would like to think we've evolved enough where we wouldn't have to have riots and looting to begin with anyway. But apparently we haven't gotten to that point yet. So what she and her answer was was entirely valid, especially it was entirely valid as she sees it as an African-American woman. I cannot see it from her uh, point of uh, I can understand her point of view, but I cannot understand it from the way she can because she has lived it her entire life. She has dealt with these things her entire life. Whether I think rightly or wrongly of, this, of a certain situation, she has a different take because she has experienced it differently. And that goes for all different walks. But we need to have discussion. We need to have debate. We need to have an open mind, open heart, and a shut mouth. And listen and hear where they're coming from. And we need to call, and this is not because it's going to sound racist when I say it, but we need to call a spade a spade and say this is wrong and this is right and this is where we can meet in the middle. We need to stop being stupid and being triggered because something that happened 60 years ago may or may not happen now. If we work together and work on it, it won't happen again like it did 60 years ago. Or the cases will be rare, like George Floyd. Like I said, he was a criminal. He did not deserve, however, to die. He should have been put in a police car, put in a paddy wagon, whatever the hell you want to call it, and arrested and taken downtown, fingerprinted, and had his day in court just like any other individual. Instead, he was killed. Now, he was not a saint. He was not, you know, perfect. He was in handcuffs for a reason. He committed crimes. So, while, yes, he should not have been killed He should not have been made to be a saint and a martyr for the cause either. We have got to start calling things as they are and doing away with stupid shit. And we've been doing that for years. We allow stupidity to rule rather than common sense and rather than advancing ourselves and learning. How do, how do I know that, you say? Because we have lawsuits where people get burned for drinking hot coffee and they sue and they win. We have lawsuits where a pickle, somebody takes a bite out of a hamburger and the pickle comes and burns the person's lip and they sue because they cannot uh, attend to their husband as the husband would like. Let's leave it at that uh, because their lip is burnt and they sue and they win. Because somebody didn't say, 
this is stupid, get out of here, I'm not even going to listen to this court case. And we take something that needs to be addressed properly, and it gets put by the wayside. How many times now are we seeing crimes where criminals that should have been in jail, should have been uh, in a cell, are let out because of overcrowding, because of uh, we have to be uh, equality and equal and uh, give away less sentencing. I mean, there's there's even uh, states now where if a police officer notices you doing something bad and you run away, they're not going to chase you anymore. In California, you can rob stores up to $1,000 worth of stuff without it being a crime anymore. But it's still a crime. They're just not prosecuting them anymore. They don't care that because, oh, well, these groups have been oppressed in the past. In the past. We cannot fix things by just doing away with things. And yes, it takes time. It takes money. It takes understanding. In some cases, it takes revamping the entire structure. Or the entire organization. Sometimes that is what is needed. Other times, it's sit down, shut up, and listen. Other times, people get pissed and upset and stressed because of things being forced down their throats. When it has to be your way or the highway, and I have a valid point about something, and you won't meet me in the middle, then no wonder I don't want to associate with you and you don't want to associate with me. There has to be communication. There has to be an openness. And no, even if I sit down with a thousand black people and ask for their take on them, and they give me a thousand different reasons and a thousand different answers... I am never going to fully understand their take on things because I am not black. And that's just the way it is. And we're going to be going into the racism thing here soon. I am got a stack of shit that I'm going to be discussing and putting up. And again, I'm only going from my viewpoint, what I see, what I've experienced. But it doesn't take a genius to see that, yes, police dogs were used incorrectly and totally wrong against minorities in the past. And, yes, they may still be certain instances where that occurs today. But as a general rule, that does not happen the way it happened 60 years ago. But we are... Reverting back, in my opinion, to those days, 60 years ago. And I don't just mean with the police dogs. We have colleges where there are black-only places, uh, Asian-only places, etc., etc. Segregation, we thought, I thought, was bad. We had to integrate black-white schools with black African-American students. 
How many protests? I mean, George Wallace, they sent the, they, they sent the National Guard to allow those black students to go to that school because we can't have segregation. We can't have separate water fountains for blacks and whites. We can't have separate this and separate that for different groups and different minorities and different uh, backgrounds. I thought that was all bad. But now we are going full circle and we're coming back to that in some cases. You know, we haven't gone full full bore on it yet. It isn't uh, blacks only restaurants and whites only restaurants and, and drinking fountains and all that yet. But when we start self-segregating ourselves and not dealing with people, regardless of color, sexual orientation, creed, background, race, then we are doing ourselves a disservice. We are losing out on experiences that we could have with those other groups that we are not going to have because we have self-segregated ourselves. And the powers that be love that shit. Because if I'm divided and we're disputing some little stupid thing, and you and I are arguing over some stupid, non-insignificant thing. Then they can do whatever the fuck they want upon high. Take away our liberties, both of our liberties. Because when free speech is gone, whether it be right or wrong, whether it be black or white or Hispanic or Asian or whatever, when that is gone, we're not going to get it back. You know, when I can't say this word or that word and you can't say this word or that word or I'm, uh, you know, I've triggered you and I'm a homophobe or I'm a transphobe or I'm gay phobia or whatever the hell phobia it might be. Where if I don't like a certain uh, thing that's being done, I don't. Let me put it out there right to you right now. I'm going to tell you. No, no, no. Never mind. That's going to be on the racism uh, episode. I don't want to go too much farther into this, but because that's going to be uh, impeding into that podcast. But I will say this: like I said, eradicating canine units and police is stupid. Defunding the police as a whole is stupid. Getting rid of the bad apples. Of all colors, races, creeds in these organizations is the right thing to do. Not hiring certain people because they don't meet the criteria is what we need to do. We need to not hire these idiots that are prone to do stuff like this. We need to get them kicked out of things like this. But how many times... Do we have backup plans because of unions or because of professors that have tenure and stuff like that where we can't get rid of them? If I work for a company that has a union and one of my coworkers does something, they can go to the union. And the union will fight to keep their job. Well, maybe, just maybe, 
if I work for this company and this company has a union, that person doesn't deserve to have that job or doesn't deserve to be in that particular part or group or hierarchy or wherever the hell you want to call it. Maybe, just maybe, that person deserves to be in another part of the organization or not even in the organization at all. Again, maybe this police officer doesn't deserve to be a police officer, has shown that they're racist, has shown that they are extreme to one organization or the anti-gay, anti-lesbian, and whatever the hell the case may be. And this is all hypothetical. But they don't belong in that organization, but the unions keep them there. The unions fight to keep them there. Well, we need to have, again, more communication between the companies and the unions. I'm not saying we just say, get out of here, bud. No, there has to be a list of things. You have to have it written up. This person just, uh, showed this or that or the other uh, in relationship to this, that, and the other and should not be in this position that they are. And we need to, as the unions, need to meet with the companies and say, the police unions the, and the police force, the tech companies and the unions there, and the post office and the postal unions, the banks and the bank unions, the teachers and the teachers unions, and they need to say, no, we are, yes, this teacher sucks. Goodbye. Maybe teaching's not for you. Oh, this technician sucks. Maybe the technical field is not for you. Or, oh, this cop sucks. The policing is not for you. But we have uh, the, the struggle at the top where the unions try to keep these individuals and the companies are, are in some cases trying to get rid of the, the individuals and they can't. They're at a crossroads. They're at a stalemate. They can't do anything. And then when something like this happens, everybody goes, oh, what the hell? Why, why did this happen? Why was this allowed to occur? Because there was no open communication. There was either it's my way on the highway from the union or my way or the highway from the company or my way or the highway from the, from the policeman's union or my way or the highway from the police force, from the upper uh, echelons of the, of the police and it's definitely my way or the highway from the federal government down to all the rest of us. So what do you do? We need to weed out those that are bad, racist, crazy. And I don't mean crazy in the effect of mental health issues, but crazy in the fact of, you know, uh, Military guys that join the military just because they want to go out and kill somebody. You know, that kind of stuff. We need to deal with this. There's, It's a multifaceted argument and a multifaceted problem. And it's not going to be fixed by disbanding the cops or defunding the police or taking a counselor out with every policeman on the, or police officer on the job and having them do a ride along and go to every uh, arrest, every episode, every, you know, call. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if there is an answer, but there has to be a give and take. There has to be a discussion and there has to be meeting of halfway, you know, meeting by both parties at halfway point. So 
while yes, police dogs were used in effective, effectively bad in the, the civil rights era, I don't think it's a national problem that they're being used incorrectly now. I don't remember the last time there was a major media blitz about a police dog that killed somebody or bit somebody that they shouldn't have or because that person was ex- extensively, exclusively black or Hispanic or gay or lesbian or whatever. Like I said, the dog doesn't see the color of the person. The dog does what the handler is told the dog to do. So maybe instead of doing away with the dog in the canine units, we make sure that those officers, military personnel, etc., that are handling those canines are trained correctly know what they're doing, are good, rational people, are not bigots, haters, uh, homophobes, transphobes, racists. Maybe we make sure that they are trained properly. They are what we need instead of disbanding the whole group. But that's just my two cents. So, who knows? I'll let you think about it. But you know, again, as I mentioned a couple podcasts ago, if you don't agree with me, that's fine. Quit staring daggers at me. Come up and say, hey, Mr. Rance, I think you're wrong because of this. Or I like what you said about that. Or I think you're totally off your nut. Because if we don't talk, we're not going to change shit. If we don't have open discussion, kiss it goodbye. And I'll leave you with that.